0: I actually think that it's important to look at some of a vitamins and minerals, we know those are important. They're essential they're essential for a reason. And you shouldn't just supply them when they're needed. You should supply them because they're always needed. And so whether that's taking them in through supplementation or taking them in through diet or what have you. And and those things actually play a role in the synthesis of the body's own antioxidants. And they also act as antioxidants in their own right, at least some of them do but you look at the bodies the the antioxidants that the body makes on its own yeah i think i mentioned l-carnitine nadh melatonin alpha-lipoic acid coq10 and glutathione and so if you look at all those well the body makes these these are the big ones and it makes these for a reason so it makes sense that a we should supply the nutrients that are used in the manufacturing of these things or we could also supplement with these Things directly, and that's not really going to cause the body any real harm.
1: Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready, it's time to rise. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. This week's incredible guest is supplement scientist and nutrition expert, Dr. William Wallace. So, my passion and curiosity in all things nutrition, supplementation, and really health optimization has had me hooked on Dr. Wallace's genius for some time now. He's an outstanding communicator, educator, and he has worked with some of the most leading, respectable supplementation brands out there. He offers high-quality, evidence-based information in his areas of expertise, and he delivers practical suggestions on how the majority can implement supplementation and optimize nutrition to upgrade health. In this episode, we hit on the topics of systems theory, proving how one area directly affects all areas within our biology, nutrigenomics and the metabolization of the primary macronutrients, how nutrition impacts cognitive function, energy, and mood, why it's important to invest in your health now rather than pay later, how certain supplements can actually cause imbalances and potentially even damage if not properly dosed. And Dr. Wallace shared his top basic recommendations that could be used to increase overall wellness while not risking unintentional harm and Dr. Wallace's top supplement recommendations that can be used to increase overall wellness as we age. Trust me, if you are not already following him on Instagram, I highly recommend you do so. He is at drdr.williamwallace. His handle is in the show notes. You're gonna find incredible, high quality information that will undoubtedly take your health to the next level. If you love this episode, please share it up on your IG stories and tag Dr. William Wallace and Roxy Look, Black Belt Beauty. I love to hear from you guys. If you have any questions that come up from this episode, the conversation always continues on Instagram. Best place to do that with me is at Roxy Look. And if you have not already given this podcast a five-star rating review, please, please do so. There's a very easy link to make that happen in the show notes, me and my team. Thank you so much in advance for taking the time to do that. All right, you guys, enjoy this very insightful episode with Dr. William Wallace. To all my ladies listening in, we are officially halfway into 2022. And this inspired me to initiate some magnetic fun connecting with my amazing community of women like you. I am so excited to invite you into this elevating and invigorating virtual live activation where I will drop you into the magnetic frequency of the opulent woman. In this live activation event, I am going to share with you the power of the opulent and self-actualized woman. I'm going to share effective tactics that will help you to create rituals, behaviors, and habits that enlighten, evoke, and employ the opulent woman within you. I'm going to talk about how you can gain clarity and connectivity with the woman in the mirror, your future self, and why that is so vital to do. There is a Q&A segment for you to share whatever questions you have in your hearts for me. I'm so excited about that. And ultimately, what you're gonna gain from this activation. Energetic momentum to help you step into the frequency of your most opulent, capable, and empowered self. You're going to have more clarity and confidence in your daily intentions and actions. You're going to get into what I call positive architecting, and this is where I'm going to give you viable tactics that help you pivot limiting beliefs and internal scripts into optimistic, empowered, and loving self-belief scripts. You're going to gain more personal accountability through mindset shifts that support stronger, self-accountability and discipline for effective action with consistency. I always say consistency is a magic pill. You're also going to gain self-actualization journaling tactics that will help you to create a consistent journaling practice. We're going to do journal prompts together. It's going to be an awesome, fun, creative session and so much more. I want you to really think about this as just like a fun girl hang. I am so excited to be in this very intimate, safe, empowered space with all of you. So when is this happening? June 28th. Time will be at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time and it will be on Zoom. So all the details for this are in the show notes. So the cost for this event is $97 for a ticket entry and you will also get a beautiful downloadable PDF that has journal prompts and incredible inspiring graphics for you to print out and keep. If you pay $137, you are getting a ticket entry and my beautiful Guided and illustrated self actualization journal, You Are the Path. So I hope to see you there June 28th. You can purchase the tickets via the show notes or blackbotbeauty.com. Also, again, a reminder any questions that you have, please DM me, Roxy Look on Instagram. I am here for all of them. I can't wait to see you at this live activation. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm so excited. Um, Dr. William Wallace, uh, first of all, the most epic name ever. It's so rad to meet you in this space. I've been a fan of you and your work on Instagram for quite some time now. So thank you for being here with me and all of us.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for considering me. I'm still, you know, at times I still wonder why people care what it is I have to say, but you know, I appreciate it nonetheless.
1: No, you know what? I actually love that because one of the things I really love about you is all the information that you share. Your Instagram is amazing for anybody who doesn't follow you yet. Um, I love the graphics. I love that everything that you share is so rich in evidence based quality science fucking information, but your delivery is so practical and just kind of even keeled. You're not extreme in any which way. When we're talking about supplementation um, anything that pertains to neuroscience or food. So I love that about you personally.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough line to kind of walk at times because I think, I think for people that have been following my stuff for a while, you know, they probably know that, mean, because it's nothing that you know, I'm pretty open about the fact that I, I work in the dietary supplement industry, but I also I also have a foot in, you know, on the, in the research side of things and always keep, you know, kind of like one foot, one foot, I would say in, in the realm of academia. Although now, nowadays, most of the the research I'm involved in is uh, more independent from academia and and I prefer it that way. But, um, I think it's, it's important. It's important for me to maintain like a level of uh, neutrality is not the right word, but more of a, uh, more of a conservative approach to well, a lot of the the hot topics of the day, right? If if I push supplements too heavily, well, I, I don't think that that would be a. It wouldn't really be honest in in one respect with what I know about how supplements work, uh, and then b. It it also, you know, in another sense, it wouldn't be good for my business because. Uh, again, it's it's obvious that I'm not being totally transparent and honest, and the thing that you come across as more of a more of a, a salesman. So I've always just kind of uh, gone about things with the idea that uh, I would be as honest and transparent with uh, my interpretation of things, uh, you know. And then if you know that would probably make it more likely that that people would you know jump on board with with anything that I was doing you know, business related or. You know, science related.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, there's definitely a trust factor that's been built. You know, you're for me personally, you're an absolute resource, and that's really a big deal for me because I'm I'm not an expert in health and, and you know professionally or anything of like that. I'm just an absolute fucking geek uh, when it comes to performance and health optimization. So you know, where I collect and where I've collected my information from over the years. Um, that's also why so many people in my community actually trust me. I'm not the hot topic girl. I don't, I'm not the fucking biohacker. It's, 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 it's really leaning into hardcore science. Um, it, you know, the most elite experts. Um, and, and then also, you know, there is something to be said in my personal life about application. I live it, you know what I mean? So, and it's, and it's, a parent. So that also cultivates trust. But yeah, you you are an absolute resource for me that I absolutely trust. And I have so many fucking questions. <laughs> like uh, I have to keep my shit together because I'm so charismatic. And this, you know, when you think about nutrition and then you think about supplementation, I mean, you know, each of these zones are like universes, right? So to try and create this conversation to, you know, in the time that we have to really for me to extract as much as I can in both of these areas, uh, to the best of my ability with you is like, I, I have a plan and I'm excited, but before I even lay out that kind of blueprint, I would love to know. And I feel like our audience would love to know a little bit of your backstory and hmm. not just like how you arrived to where you are in your career, but I'm also curious, um, has anything taken place for you in your life in terms of health that puts you on this path, or perhaps did you play sports and it was like performance? Because that was definitely a thing for me that drove me to be the geek that I am. So I would love to learn that about you.
0: Yeah. So there was actually, gosh, it was interesting uh, regarding the sport aspect. I mean, I think like most kids growing up, I, you know, I was involved in all of the the necessary things that your parents get you involved in when you're too kind of young to really figure out what's going on. So I played like soccer growing up and basketball. Um, <coughs> I played football once in fifth grade, but I was like, a, you know, I mean, I think I, I grew up well, but I was a small kid when I was growing up. And so I just got pulverized um, in football. And man, I did it. I did it because my dad wanted me to do it. I fucking hated it. But, um, I was, people would, they would search for me I remember, on kick returns and just like nail me as soon as the play was over. So I definitely have like lingering trauma, trauma, and that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. I was, uh, I was the kid that wore socks with sandals in middle school. Um, I was actually, <laughs> where'd you actually, actually, up?
1: sorry, where did you, so grow I, up?
0: I, well, I grew up in, in, uh, Maryland initially. And then when I was 12, my family moved to new England. And then I went to a, at that time, let's see. I moved when I was in sixth grade, and then I, I went into a small uh, private Catholic school, and so that was that was much more comfortable for me because the people were more tame, I guess, and there was yeah. and there was and there was less people. But um, I was homeschooled all the way up until fourth grade, so I think that socially, I think socially, go, then going into public school, I was a little awkward, and that really bit me in the ass. But. <laughs> yeah and then I and I, I went back into public school, I think, uh, as a sophomore in high school. Um, and then the entire time, I, I had you know, I wasn't really I was still into sports, doing sports, I didn't. you know, I was always just kind of very average at things. Um, there was a time where I had gotten really good at basketball, but I was like a junior senior, and then you know, I was my best when I was like a freshman in college when it didn't matter anymore. so uh, so sports. We're always cool, but I never had like a really big passion for them. I remember getting really into basketball because that's what I started to develop this thing, this really like neurotic complex that li- lives with me today. And it was just like I, I am very high in trait neuroticism, w- which is typically typically high like higher in females com- compared to males. But that that that's something that really I think now sticks with me and, and makes me push my head. You know, into concrete to get better at something, uh, and I almost like fu- like create these delusions of inspiration to kind of drive myself forward. Uh, you know, even at like the the cost of my own self interest and, and happiness at times. And so that that, that actually started with sports, although it was <coughs> it wasn't necessarily my passion for sports. I, I think it stemmed from my trait neuroticism to just have to be good. It's, it's something. Um so i guess i'll I'll jump forward from
1: uh, God, didn't take from, your time. I'm, yeah no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. yeah do your thing i'm I'm fully here with you
0: uh jumping forward, <clears throat> excuse my cough by the way, when I was in my undergrad, that was also in New Hampshire. I basically partied my way through my undergrad um I know hard I, to
1: imagine, but not really
0: <laughs> no it's it's not it's not if you knew me at all, it's not hard to imagine so. <laughs> Uh, I even had to do a, a, a what they call a super senior semester just to graduate. And I, I just picked, I picked a degree where I could just get out. Like I didn't, I'll never use that degree. Actually, it's not, it's not entirely true. There's actually facets of it I use nowadays being an industry, but it was, uh, it was based on occupational safety and health. So it's like OSHA standards.
1: Okay. So,
0: yeah. So uh, I took two years out of school um you know cuz i had realized like i didn't want to i didn't want to do this um i actually remember like a big turning point for me i was sitting in an interview for an internship um with a company called Sikorsky they make helicopters um i think they're out of Connecticut and so the guy had asked me at the end of the interview <laughs> if uh, if i could wave a magic wand and create the perfect job for you like, what would that look like and i was sitting there thinking And I remember thinking in my head, like, I know you want me to say it's like something working for Sikorsky, but I was like, but holy shit, like, I can't say that. Like, I'm not gonna, like, I just won't say that. And I was like, it's definitely not this. So I took two years out of my undergrad to kind of accumulate some prerequisites to then go do something I wanted to do. And in my head, I knew that was like, like health and fitness related At, at, towards the end of college, I was getting like really into exercising and working out. And even strength and conditioning, I would actually go to these academic conferences with the exercise science majors, and I'd pay out of pocket just to join them. And I was like, you know what? I'm just kind of like unofficially interning with the department at this point. So I had gotten accepted to get my master's at the University of Tampa. That was in 2015. But going down there, I still didn't really know what I really wanted to do. So I had like interned in a couple different spots it was strength and conditioning i kind of hung around the athletic training room and uh i i had wanted to get into the the research side of things but it was i think i was in a class of like 60 something people and everybody at the time wanted to get into the lab there you know it's not until you get into research where you realize like this is not like flashy and cool at all it's like it's very monotonous it's very dull and like I don't know it exactly I'm just around an arbitrary number, but it's gotta be like an 80% dropout rate. When like people go in and start conducting studies and stuff, they're just like, this is not what I, what I thought it was. So uh, I had let, you know, the people that were in charge there know, like, yeah, I want to, I want to intern in the lab. I'd like to try it. And there was like 12 people in there at the time. And they were just kind of like, I mean, like, yeah, cool. Everybody wants to like whatever. And uh, <clears throat> my second semester there, it was uh, my, my thesis. And so I took the whole semester, I picked my topic, I researched my thesis uh, and I basically wrote my paper and I presented and it was at the end of my thesis where basically, you know, they came up to me and they're like, cool, like you got a shot, you can come in tomorrow. I was like, cool. So I went in there and kind of one thing led to another, Uh, there was a study that was getting ready to start one of the guys that was the prime investigator on the study actually flew out to the Dominican Republic to have a job interview with a, like a triple a or double a baseball team like a farm league I, I believe at the time because he was a strength and like strength and conditioning pro and when he left i kind of took it upon myself to basically i like i got all of the legal documents together for the study at that time i had learned every piece of equipment in the lab very well so if anybody needed something they could come to me and be like hey will how's this work again uh, and then eventually, everybody started. Even like the people who were like in charge of the study, and the professors were like, coming to me to ask me questions about the study. Like, hey, like what what are we supposed to do this day? Like, how 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 are the methods set up? And so I okay, I, like I knew this, so I'd tell them I got it all together. You know, fast forward, you know, six months, and like I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of like I guess one of the premier guys in there. I guess you would yeah. say. Yeah. And then <clears throat> by the next year, when I had graduated, the, the research just stuck. I'm I'm not sure what it was, but I, I had never, nobody had ever my entire life called me uh, intelligent or smart um, until I was in grad school. And I'm not sure what it was about grad school. I just put like a concerted effort. Um, I just put a concerted effort into learning the material that was presented to me. Um, I had took a, I had taken a serious liking to neuromuscular physiology and biomechanics. I was actually like very well-versed in like biomechanics at one point. And, and it just kind of, it kind of went from there. I had looked at everybody who was around me and I had identified some of the weak spots. Like everybody was into nutrition. And at the time mm. keto was really hot mm. and I had identified, well, there's like a, a perform. there's a, the biomechanics was, you know, part of this performance aspect. Cause most of the research we were doing was in sports performance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that seems to be something that people stay away from, I think because of like the physics involved. Sure. And I was like, so I'll do that because that then makes me somewhat unique. So I started doing that. Then I went to work for the same group of people at an external research facility from 2016 to 2018, We were still doing a lot of research, mostly with the professional sports teams, uh, things of that nature. But we were also testing a lot of supplements, uh, mostly like supplements and ingredients that were mainly targeted for sports nutrition. Mm -hmm. Like People were testing things to see if they wanted to bring them to market. And so we, we were really involved in that. And so that was kind of... And I'd always been really interested in supplements. You know, there was you know, there was actually a time in college before I really knew any of these things where I was like super, super invested into like learning about, uh, learning about uh, the chemistry of androgens, even though like, I, I didn't really play around with those things. I was just really fascinated by them. Okay. And, and I knew people and I knew people who used them. So I was just like, this is really cool. And so, uh, you know, then, get, but this was also mind you, this was like the, 2015, 2016 was also when the nootropics started to become like mainstream. And so <clears throat> neuromuscular physiology was my, my favorite subject. You know, it had to do with how the, the brain and the muscles communicate with each other to stimulate movement and, and so on. And my, my, it was when I, my neuromuscular phys professor, I remember him telling me, he's like, ah, if I could go back and do it all again, like I would, I'd probably go into neuroscience. And I really admired the guy, um, and you know I think the point he made. He was like, the brain is just so much more complex. Like there's, you know, we'll continue to learn a lot about skeletal muscle moving forward and all of the nuances. Yeah. It's like, but the the brain is just so much more mysterious, or at least interesting to me. And the more that I investigated the matter and reflected on it, I was like, you know what? I mean, that was the case for myself as well. And now, you know, you had the advent of these brain pills basically. Yeah. And this kind of, <clears throat> this kind of goes into the question you would ask, like, is there anything that happened to me health wise or something that put me on this path? But it was actually <laughs> due to my, due to my own, my own ignorance and recklessness <laughs> at the time that I think I had really done myself a disservice. And okay. in my like self experimentation where At the time, and I still feel some lingering effects from these things. So that, because I was also heavily, like, heavily, yeah, heavily using like pharmaceuticals uh, and smart drugs. Got it. And so I feel like that had damaged me at one point in some way. And I have my theories. I'm not going to get into details, but like, I still feel like lingering effects, although I feel like uh, I've gotten back to a point where. I never thought that that I would be back at, which I would consider like semi normal, you know, semi normal functioning up here. And so I think my obsession then kind of with, within like the supplementation and brain supplements and, and all that stuff is okay, how do I fix myself now? Because yeah. I did a pretty good job screwing myself up. So, but this whole time, I think 2018, I got hired to go uh, work at a company called Life Extension in Fort Lauderdale. And so that was, that's, they're in the longevity field, you know, and they're, they're widely considered one of the more scientifically reputable companies in the supplement industry. They have their own research facility, uh, and they really consider themselves more of an information company than they do a supplement company. And so I had nothing but good experiences there because that was my first real experience all in industry, although we were still involved in, in research. So it was perfect for me because I was still I was doing my doctorate at the same time. So I was I was surrounded by people, I was the only person in the department probably who didn't have like a relevant PhD in, in something. And so I, I was surrounded by people who could who could still help help me in a lot of ways. And <clears throat> so this whole time uh, I'm getting to learn the supplement industry outside of just brain supplements but also outside of sports nutrition. So I made the jump from sports nutrition into longevity and, and health, basically. And then in 2021, so the beginning of last year, as I was about to finish my doctorate, uh, it just kind of felt like the right time to move on. At that time, the the chair of my dissertation committee had called me with a proposal and they fl- I basically got flown out to Ohio uh, th- they showed me the company that they were running here. Uh, they do their own manufacturing, which is very rare for a supplement co- supplement company to do when you're familiar with the industry. They were also building out a research facility that was going to be on the, the campus. And so they made a pitch to me. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm in Ohio. So I went from Florida to Ohio, which is like the opposite of right. what, what most sane people do. <laughs> but, but I figured, you know, I was still, I'm still young enough. I can, you yeah. know, I can afford to make that move and Florida in theory will still be there when I'm ready to go back. A hundred
1: percent. No. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. It's so rad to hear just all of that, your backstory and, and really get to know you more because, you know, obviously your Instagram, which is like the primary place to connect with you. That's where I connect with you. You know, it's, it's all professional. You're, you're sharing all this valuable information, but it's, it's really cool to learn uh, backstory, you know, and, and why, why you even do what you do, how you got here. So, um, and it's interesting, you know, I, in my, in my journey, so just to share a little bit about me with, with you um, and it, and it really, it'll help the conversation as well. Um, so I'm 43, I'll be 44 next month. So when this comes out,
0: so that's uh, surprising. That's surprising to me. I wouldn't have guessed that.
1: Really? Well, okay. Thank you. Um, I would have
0: guessed mid, I would have guessed mid thirties.
1: Well, so that's rad because that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. The I'm going to, I'm going to anchor us in this conversation around, um, and I'll explain this in a minute, but aging like a badass to age, like a badass and, you know, drawing a little bit of a connection where, you know, where you, you said you, you know, you kind of, you you were trying to get yourself back to a state of like baseline health after being excessive or whatever it was with the pharmaceuticals. And all. So when I was a teenager, um, so 16 or 17, I, I blew out my knee doing Taekwondo. It was really epic kick, but I fucking, I, <laughs> I I tore my, my ACL and my meniscus, um, I tore my meniscus actually two months later, um, in a way where the meniscus actually got stuck between my joints. So it was really bad. It would be actually, and then I would actually tear the meniscus again. So for, for two years, um, I went from being hyperactive, you know, I was a competitive runner growing up until I started surfing and skateboarding. And then that's all I cared about. Um, and you know, (coughs) So I was moving obviously martial arts and all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not able to move as much. I had to work to get mobility back my knee and I had been on the American diet for the most part, you know, Taco Bell in high school. And I never, I'm my body type like mesomorph, right? My, you see my brothers, I have three brothers, our genes, like we got really lucky in this department, right? So body composition was never a thing for me, always defined abs, like the whole thing until, you know, this happened. And then I gained weight and I gained it all over gratefully. But, you know, I, I knew that this, I was like, what the fuck is this all of a sudden, you know? And so I would then put myself on this very, very long and it, you know, going through this in my late teens and my twenties. And um, when I, when I hit my thirties, I really started, I, I caught my groove and I, I fig- figured it out. I cracked the code, but that process of trying to get myself back into a state of, you know, optimal body composition and really health, uh, you know, it was a painful, very, very difficult journey. But it, it's ultimately what put me on the path to discover what I'm so passionate about, which is you know health optimization and and then I'll, I'll pull us into the age like a badass you know in the in the initial it's like okay vanity you know like how do i how do i get myself back into you know my size 2ness down the line when when things started to change for me is when i started to pivot from just this vanity kind of like oh you know i'm trying to lose weight for this the aesthetic and i'm trying to get stronger now. I'm trying to be more mobile. I'm trying to, you know, just perform better athletically. Um, then, and I also got deeply, um, I, I fell in love with neuroscience. So I'm in this neuroscience Academy with this really epic, uh, neuroscientist, Dr. Sarah McKay. And because, because you're like, well, if I really want to kick ass in life on all levels, you got to know what the fuck the brain is doing because it's such it, it 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 affects everything so fast forward you know i so in this process i learned so much information and i and i do get myself and also my my lifestyle into this place where you know now it's just you know i just this is who i am right i eat the way i eat i move the way i move i sleep the way i sleep but it's all centered in this concept of aging like a badass. So we hear like, Oh, age gracefully. Cool. I'm like, no, I'll save grace for my character. I'm here to fucking age like a badass. So I'll explain what that means. And then I think the goal for me to help us really stay, um, you know, not get too far in the weeds, although I do love the weeds, um, in this conversation is to kind of tease out these components of aging, like a badass and then dropping into, nutrition and supplementation in each of these pillars. So for me, aging like a badass to age like a badass is, you know, I, in these later decades of life, when I'm in my eighties, if I get there, right. And these later decades, I want to be cognitively sharp. So that's like one thing, right. I'm giving you bite-sized bits. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be able to get out of my chair and I don't need help. I want to be able to put weight overhead, you know, my, in the airplane without anybody helping me kind of thing. You know, I want to be able to continuously perform, perform also meaning my mood. Like how do I feel when I get up in the morning? Because that for me is a very great measure of wealth and success. I get up in the morning between four and five 30 naturally without an alarm. And I'm fucking, I'm not doing cartwheels. I'm very quiet, but I'm excited to live. I feel good. So for me, you know, that, that, that's a very important part of, of aging as well. It's, it's essentially saying I'm not here to get slow, old, weak, and tired understanding for sure. Like we all have an end here, but it's, you know, we hear a lot about longevity. Cool. I'm not interested in just like, Oh, let me live to 102, but maybe I'm like, you know, weak and I want to live fucking long and strong. You know, so for me, that's aging like a badass
0: brain health. If you want to start there, I guess just talking about everything you just said is basically something called systems theory where, you know, you, you can't really just look at. It's really hard to look at overall human health and then like just consider brain health or just consider gut health or just consider, you know, you look at any other organ. Uh, because, in one way or another, like say the liver is in somehow somehow communicating with the gut and the brain and the heart, yeah. and things that things that are happening in the liver affect all those other organs and, and vice versa so that's basically systems theory where that the the complexity of the human organism is a billion different working parts that result in you know either positive or, or negative outcomes. And so it's really hard to focus on one area without impacting uh, another. And so, especially when, especially when we're looking at like practical, Mm -hmm. practical, practical modalities for things that like most people like listening to this podcast, like, you know, might try in a real world setting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I always say like, we're a system of systems right? And everything affects everything. I mean, even if you say brain health and gut health, I mean, we know more and more and more like how those, the relationship between those two, how they impact each other. Well, actually, let me ask you this first. Can you explain what nutrigenomics is?
0: So basically nutrigenomics would be, you no, know, it's, it's still a very developing field, but it's essentially looking at uh, an individual's genome right? whether you're isolating like the metabolome or the the lipidome like the you know with certain genes involved in lipid metabolism and you know you can look at something for instance like how best or how not just how best but how in general does one's body metabolize the three primary macronutrients you know and in that way you could also start to look at you know Uh, I would say, subclasses of those macronutrients, whether it be like fructose, glucose, or so on, and see, okay, now uh, how is this person's body more likely to metabolize these, and what would they be? uh, What food sources might they be more suited for? What macronutrient composition would this person be more suited for? Also, uh, what kind of predispositions does this person have as far as nutrient deficiencies go? Whether, whether it be macro or micronutrient deficiencies. So in, in that way, you could basically tailor an individualized nutrition plan to somebody. And, and in that way, you may, you know, I, I had actually just read, um, I had just read a, a p- paper on this where they looked at a bunch of different mice within the same species. Uh, and each one of them was, they had a different nutrigenomic basically makeup where some of them were more suited for high carbohydrate diets some were more suited for high protein diets all of which on the high fat diets and this isn't necessarily keto but a high fat diet but none of them seem to live very long and so that was that was really interesting but uh, essentially one of the outcomes of nutrigenomics or the theorized outcomes is that you could more appropriately say, tailor nutrition to somebody as opposed to loading drugs on mm-hmm. if somebody had a condition like diabetes, or if somebody had, say, a neurodegenerative disease, if we're just talking about you know late later life brain brain conditions, then you know, wh- what kind of nutrients could you be providing this person that may not entirely stop the disease, but may lower the slope of the progression of the disease? And so in that way, as nutrigenomics evolves, it's very likely that it could save a lot of money on healthcare costs for people over the course of their life. It's very likely that it could improve general health parameters. It's very likely that it can help people manage or prevent infectious disease long-term. So that's kind of what nutrigenomics is. Yeah. And that that's like where it's headed. It's not quite there yet, but I don't think that we're too terribly far off.
1: Yeah, no, that's rad. Thank you for explaining that. You know, I, um, when I really started to get into new Dr. Rhonda Patrick was someone who dropped me into that deeply. So like, <laughs> it's like I'm telling you like years ago, you know, when people are fucking out doing their thing or watching Netflix, I'm watching Rhonda Patrick on give some talk and, and, you know, in, in this area and, you know, one of the reasons too, you know, in my journey, you know, that I shared with you, like getting to the state where I am now and where I've been for a long time at this point, um, I noticed it was really, it's, it's actually, I think a gift that, you know, my journey has been, it's not like, Oh, I came out and I was like all fucking organic this whole time. And just like, you know, muscle protein synthesis. It's like, no, I was the girl who, like I said, I ate fucking Taco Bell for lunch. And so I know, I know what it feels like. This is just my way of framing it, but like to drive a Ferrari versus you fill in the blank, right? Compared to Ferrari. I know that difference because I've, I've felt it. So I noticed um, clarity. I noticed mood. My natural disposition is definitely more upbeat and positive. But how about like emotional fucking resilience? That was a hundred percent affected by these changes that, you know, were, that I was experiencing from, from the, from the food that I was now, you know, eating and so many issues that do exist can likely be, if not cured, I won't use that word for say, but like can be improved, right. Just from nutrition. So if you think about like going from, um, fast food and eating, you know, processed, lab created food, like what that's doing to your brain, to your hormone, to your gut health versus whole foods, you know, that are rich in micronutrients, you're getting your macronutrients. I mean, can you talk about that and like, just how nutrition is really a great lever and, and how
0: you were going to. <clears throat> feel- yeah. I mean, I don't even think I have to say a whole lot about that. I think that really Gosh, I mean, I mean, you basically said it, but I think in a way, a good way to frame it is that oftentimes the most impactful, the most impactful therapeutics or treatments for mild and a lot of times even severe conditions uh, are free. And that those are things like, you know, nutrition, sleep, exercise, you know, within nutrition, you have like of course the composition of the nutrition but like caloric restriction and in some cases especially when you're looking at you know maybe di- diabetes or in some kind of pre-diabetes and, and things of that nature so that, that is really like it's like you don't gosh i mean I, I don't even i don't have to elaborate more in an attempt to sound intelligent it's a lot of times <laughs> the mo- a lo- you know a lot of times the most effective modalities for mild conditions and sometimes Severe conditions are free modalities.
1: Totally. But, you know, uh, maybe it's just like this people that we talk to, because listen, a lot of people ask me, like, what do you eat or, you know, what are you training like? And I'm like, <clears throat> the stronger question would be why, you know, like, why do you do these things? Right. Because if you understand, like, why do I take the omegas that I take? Why do I eat, you know, 30 plus grams of protein? At the start of my day, really every meal, but especially at the start of my day, you know, if you start to understand why I'm doing those things, you're going to be in a better position, you know, for your, if you are going to, you know, implement these things into your life. So while it sounds like it's like the most basic, yeah, this stuff's free and and it does that, but it's like, people don't really understand. I think, I think on the surface, they understand, oh, this is good for you. And this is this, but they don't. yeah. Right.
0: So it's it's important to it's important to denote you know, impact uh with, with these things and it helps to to be objective and measurable when you do so. I'd actually I posted something, I think it was literally this week on, on Instagram, and, and it was something along the line, maybe it was last week, I can't remember. It was something along the lines of, you know, these researchers in this place, you know, basically found that if you increase your carotenoid vitamin C and vitamin E intake by X X percentage. Then there was a, a general reduction in all-cause mortality. uh I believe the hypertension and the other one may have been diabetes. I'm not sure, but uh, you know. And I cite and I cited the study underneath. But somebody had said or commented on the post, like I'm always so curious as to why people even run these studies. It's like they find these results that are so like, well, duh. If you eat good, you're going to feel better. <laughs> And I had thought because you know the, I think about that at times all you know, you see studies where you're like, well, duh, you know, that's obvious. Like, why do you even, you know, who funded that? But <laughs> um, but then, you know, if you sit back and think about it, you're like, well, no, you know, the, the, these are really important studies to conduct because it, if you can actually find things that are measurable and yeah. then look at the magnitude. Of the effect of a certain treatment or modality, and then translate that to people who aren't like in the know with these things or don't study these things intensely, then maybe those maybe those quantitative numbers are enough to show them the actual magnitude of effect, and that's enough to stimulate a want to change or a change in their own in their own lifestyle behavior. And and also it helps clue in researchers and practitioners on what kind of specific modalities they can use to then target specific conditions, uh, you know, with, you know, in in the future. And so that may, you know, that may help people indirectly, even if they're not changing their own behavior and they're working with a, a practitioner then yeah. maybe they can, they can help them change their behavior all because they'd be like, oh, if, you know, if you increase carotenoid vitamin C and vitamin E intake by this much, you can potentially achieve this kind of effect in somebody with hypertension Yeah, that, you know, it's like, that's not a useless study. That's not a useless study at all.
1: No, totally. I mean, when I learned about the importance of vitamin D from Rhonda Patrick and how it it regulates like over 5,000 of your genes or something. It's like, it's a steroid hormone. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is, I call it like the gangster vitamin. This is a real, like you were, it's really important. So just learning that information, you know, really made it, you know, for me to be like, well, I'm taking my vitamin D, you know, every day. And I do comprehensive blood lapse. And I don't want to talk about that with you. Um, but just, you know, kind of really affirming what you just said, Um, in my own personal life that, that made a big difference, you know? So that's the thing. It's like understanding why we're doing these things, I think is also such important, an important part of the conversation that can allow, that will really help, you know, the listeners and especially like, I'm talking about like, when I say every day, I'm someone who's maybe seen as extreme because you know, comprehensive blood labs, you know, as a regular throughout the, you know, twice a year. Um, if you come in my kitchen, it's like, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like my everyday movement and all that, where, you know, I don't see it as extreme. I just see it as uh, I know what it takes. I know what I feel and I know where I'm driving myself in my life. So, you know, this is my process, but I also understand um, that, you know, it's, it's not what the average, individual is doing can maybe even do because health does cost money. You know, I know we said that a lot of things are free, but in the example of doing comprehensive blood labs, like. Shit costs money.
0: (laughs) You know. Yeah. Well, right. Everything, everything costs money, right? So you might as well spend it. You might as well spend it on things that are going to make you feel better and look better and perform better for longer. So, you know, it's like, that is a, I've never, gosh, you know, it's tough because on some level, I can't relate to people who make the argument that, well, I can't afford to eat healthy. You know, it's, it's like, because money is, uh, you know, money is a barrier to that. And it's really interesting because you actually, that's a, it's a very real thing. The perception of money being, or finances being a barrier to a, a healthy lifestyle this, it, you see it over and over again, you see it in nutrition observational nutrition studies you also see it in supplement studies where it's like well what's preventing you from either you know say t- taking a multivitamin or buying healthier food and money is always always something that comes up and, but it, I, especially amongst people in uh, lower socioeconomic groups and mm-hmm. so that so that is something that a like it makes sense why that perception is there the reality of it is that it That that perception is not entirely rooted in reality. Although you're right, there are there are there are some things where there's a barrier, like you can't get blood work. Every you know, a lot of people's a lot of people's insurance doesn't cover routine blood work. You know, it may only it may only cover, you know, hormone panel so many times a year or, or something like that. Right. And so and and supplements, right? Because they're not substitutes; they're supplements. Those are additional. Some people may not be able to spend the extra couple dollars on a multivitamin or what have you. So the, the financial barrier is definitely a real thing, although I do think in most cases the perception is amplified past that of which is actually rooted yeah. in reality.
1: No, I agree with you because there are absolutely so, there are so many ways, I mean, talking about the free again, but just even in food and there are things that you can do that can really, really make an impact on your health that are not so heavy in the wallet. And I do love that statement of like, you know, pay now, pay later. You want to pay for, you know, to, to, you know, the things that keep you healthy now, or do you want to pay for doctors later? And it, it kind of does feel like it really is either or, because if you stay on this path where you're not, you know, doing what's necessary to at least keep your baseline health going, you know, um, then you are likely going to run into, you know, the detriments of aging and then have to pay for it with, with doctors. Okay. I want to talk to you about something then um, that I'm very passionate about because what I've learned, you know, in this area, one of my very, very best friends and doctors, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, I've learned a lot from her around muscle health and how muscle health really impacts, um, your overall health. And so I would love to, if you're cool with it, um, talk a little bit about muscle health and particularly like what one can do nutritionally and even supplementation wise, um, I'll insert this cause I'm so eager to learn more about this from you, like creatine, any, any supplements that you feel are of use for muscle health or, you know? Yeah.
0: Okay. Sure. Sorry, and so there's, there's two ways to frame it, right? There's uh there's muscle health from a performance standpoint, okay, which also, which also has to do with health, right? I think it yeah. to to a degree, right? With most indices, of performance, there's probably a, a direct and proportional increase with health and performance up to a point. And then when you talk about peak performance, then that might not be a proportional increase. And in fact, you may, that performance may contradict with health in, in some ways, Okay. But, <clears throat> so yeah, you have perform- like performance, which I guess we can lump in as like sports performance. Okay. And then you have health, which we'll kind of take a step, I guess a step under performance and just talk about like functionality, you know, like you had said, I, you know, I want to be 80 years old and be able to get out of my chair and, you know, hold my grandkids, my great grandkids and, you know, basically do so without, without supervision. So that's kind of how, kind of how I, I separate the two things. And to be honest at this, at this point in my career, like uh, I'm not entirely interested in like sports performance, although yeah. I guess I know a reasonable amount about it. Yeah. I just like, it doesn't, it doesn't I mean, really I, s- stoke a, my fire.
1: Yeah. No. Well, good. I love learning. <coughs> you know. And for me, I think it's really, I know there's athletes that tune in. Um, but I guess the, I think the primary focus for me is aging like a badass, like someone who's like, Hey, I just want to stay healthy, I want to live long and strong, you know, for as long as I can in my life. So, you know, for those who are taking it to another level, who are Olympians and I mean, that's, I I can see how that's another part of the conversation, but really if we want to just center it in kind of average humans and how to stay, you know, ahead of health, really.
0: Yeah, sure. So there's, I I think the most important things you want to do for muscle health long-term and so this is like outside of just supplying an ample amount of amino acids for protein synthesis and you know muscle basically maintenance and, and also remodeling would be to keep maintain maintain antioxidant status of skeletal muscle cells and also increase and improve the turnover rate of contractile proteins and mitochondria those are like the big three things that you need to focus on or consider when you're talking about the longevity of muscle health and so excuse me within that of course exercising is really important for that but when you're talking about like antioxidant status uh, yeah, exercising actually. I mean, there's an acute decrease in antioxidant status, but then you know, chronically, it goes up. But you also have to consider and look at the antioxidants that your body makes naturally, and those would be things like, you know, your NADH, L-carnitine, which ninety five percent of L-carnitine is actually stored in skeletal muscle, and plays a plays a massive role in mitochondrial health so there's actually uh, there's actually some modalities that have been put out there that have shown some some real efficacy for people that are in that 65 year plus range for for their muscle health and that's <clears throat> i believe it was uh, three grams it's about three or three grams of creatine three grams of leucine two grams of l-carnitine okay. on their own were able to were able to basically i think not even just maintain muscle mass but build muscle mass in people that were 65 years and older but i mean you have like the obvious amino acids like leucine where if oh gosh i mean granted like younger people are more sensitive to mm-hmm. the, the protein yeah. synthesis so you need less but once you actually get like 40 and above, then you need to kind of go above that two to 2.5 grams of leucine, of course, with other essential amino acids. But if we're looking at leucine as like the main stimulator of mTOR or protein synthesis, then the recommendation is seven and a half grams of leucine a day but you would want to get that three times a day and break it up into 2.5 2.5 2.5 that's actually one of the biggest i say one of the biggest things working against maintaining muscle function long term is actually that the older you get the less the less you consume like yeah. nutrient nutrient wise and actually most older people they backload Uh most of their food towards the end of the day and they might like snack snack throughout the day yeah so even even if they are (laughs) even if they are hitting say that they're only hitting like a real protein synthetic response once in a day and that's their last meal of the day even if that was the case you wouldn't want to take that food and spread it over the course of the day because like now you're not really triggering a meaningful protein synthesis response at any point in the day right and so, in that way, supplementation m- may actually be the key. And so I think that I actually think that it's important to look at some of a vitamins and minerals, we know those are important they're essential they're essential for a reason, and you shouldn't just supply them when they're needed. you should supply them because they're always needed. And so whether that's taking them in through supplementation or taking them in through diet or what have you and and those things actually play a role in the synthesis of the body's own antioxidants and they also act as antioxidants in their own right at least some of them do but you look at the body's the the antioxidants that the body makes on its own yeah i think i mentioned l-carnitine nadh melatonin alpha-lipoic acid coq10 oh gosh and there's one oh and, glutath- and glutathione and so if you look at all of those well the body makes these these yep. are the big ones and it makes these for a reason so it makes sense that a we should supply the nutrients that are used in the manufacturing of these things or we could also supplement with these things directly and that's not really going to cause the body any real harm
1: Hey you guys, if you've been following me here for a while or on any of my channels, you know I am always talking about the power of journaling and specifically what it has done for me and continues to do for me in my life. With that said, I am so excited to officially announce that my guided and illustrated self-actualization journal, You Are The Path, is out for sale. I have been working on this for quite some time now with my incredible, talented artist friend, Emerald Pajet. And I could not be more excited for you to experience this journal. To make it very clear, this is not your typical kind of stationary item of journal. It's more of a book, and it is so visually stimulating. You are the path, holds space for you to unravel, unleash, investigate, hypothesize, affirm, inspire fortify to essentially create you and all aspects of your life you can literally stretch out and run free within the vast open pages so in this journal you have seven guided and illustrated sections led by five thought-provoking questions and prompts that evoke exploratory thinking of course, you're welcome to ignore them, but they are there to, to anchor the you because you talking about journaling for some time life, now for you to you can literally so many people, I've within the, the vast daunting to some open pages. So, in this journal, you have seven guided and illustrated sections led by five thought provoking questions and prompts that evoke exploratory thinking. Of course, you're welcome to ignore them, but they are there to anchor you because. Talking about journaling for some time now for so many people, I've learned that journaling can feel daunting to some people, like you don't know what to do or where to start. So these journal prompts and questions are there to just anchor you in and help you get moving through the pages. Um, Each section also has a personal quote for me, and again, the artistry in this journal throughout the journal by my girl Emerald Paget is absolutely incredible. It is there to evoke your imagination and all your senses and really just take you into deep parts of your mind and your heart. So the final section offers 20 blank pages. So the other sections all have lined pages in them. And this is really special for me because I've never come across a journal that had both. And throughout my journaling practice for almost the entirety of my life, um, you know, I've really needed and wanted both. Uh, so I'm just excited to give you this opportunity to be able to sketch and just let your imagination run free on these blank pages, but also have the beautiful structure and, you know, refinement of of lines for you to just, you know, script out your heart. So. Again, this journal is absolutely a mystical experience. It's a mystical adventure. I want you to just drop in and to ultimately connect with your highest self, your authentic self, your intuition, and this journal is meant to facilitate that process for you. So to shop this journal, go to blackbeltbeauty.com. It's right there at the top menu. You'll also be able to see some visuals of the journal and I just, I know you're gonna love it. So. Let me know what you think and enjoy the path that is you. Yeah, well, oh my gosh, that was so there's so much in there. So, okay, a couple of things. Um, would you say that you know, for, for- I've learned that (laughs) talking to a lot of people, um, women, especially, they really don't get enough protein in the day. And that's like, you know, I'm very protein centric in my diet. Um, I tend to eat maybe twice a day, depending on training, it can be three times a day. But even if I'm not getting three full meals in, um, you know, maybe midday I'm I'm doing, um, you know, essential amino acids. So would you say that like amino acids could be a great, supplementation if one is not you know able to get
0: yeah i mean i mean definitely there's enough research showing that say an equal amount of actually an equal amount of essential amino acids compared to say like a a whey protein Mm -hmm. can actually increase plasma amino acid levels so postprandial postprandial amino acidemia can raise it higher than the whole protein source. And that's probably just because they're absorbed quicker. So does that mean anything for long-term muscle health and maintenance and growth? I'm not sure that it does, but of course you need to raise amino plasma amino acids to a certain level to trigger protein synthesis. But it is also important to consider the types of amino acids you're taking in there's you know individual amino acids or you can look at branch chains or you can look at essentials and in most cases it's probably best to get essentials because all all I think all essential amino acids I may be I may be wrong but I think all essential amino acids minus tryptophan are used in uh in actual pro, in actual protein synthesis for skeletal muscle so <clears throat> if you stimulate protein synthesis with BCAAs and you don't really have anything like you haven't eaten a yeah. whole food source with any other protein then you're going to be drawing those other essential amino acids from probably muscle tissue. And so in that way it helps to supply all the essential amino acids. And I don't know if are you taking BCAAs long term you're going to just like start like wasting away like no, that's not that's not <laughs> the case. I don't think it's going to be that meaningful of an effect, but your body does have to draw the essential amino acids from somewhere. So if you don't have them circulating, it's going to draw them from where it has them stored. And that's muscle tissue is easily accessible.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's interesting. So I didn't even know that. That's rad. So, okay. I'm going to use my mom as an example. My mom, <laughs> love my mom. She's like, you know, why do I have to take these supplements? Right. I, cause you know, gratefully in my family, Mm -hmm. people have lived long and and strong. But, um, you know, one of the things I tell my mom is, you know, our soil, right? Our soil is not as healthy as it used to be. A lot of the nutrients that we used to be able to get from food, we're not getting perhaps enough of them anymore to keep ourselves in optimal state of, you know, a state of health as we're aging, right? And this is where I feel supplementation is really important. Um, And, you know, you listed off some as an example, some that I actually do take. And and I'm someone who's eating all the foods that give you, you know, L-carnitine, all these things. But I still, again, it's this concept of like, you don't want to just be kind of walking the line of health and you know and then all of a sudden some shit happens you kind of want to stay ahead of it that's how i see it if that makes sense right and so i feel like mm-hmm. supplementation is really really important um to 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 be able to achieve that goal
0: right yeah i mean well everybody even those of us who are really mindful of these things like we all have holes you know, yeah. in parts of our life that, that need to be filled in one way or another, like, you know, I, I get routine blood work done. Uh, and you know, I've been experimenting with different types of supplementation for years. I went and got my blood done maybe three months ago now, and my vitamin D was low. My zinc was low and my magnesium was not low, but it was at the low end of adequate and those are things that the last time I nothing had really changed but the last time I got my blood work done probably would be last year before that that all of those things were fine and nothing had changed except for I had you know I had moved from Florida to Ohio and so maybe that had that had something to do but also uh, my workload is incredibly increased and so uh, you know I'm more I'm more stressed now than I was at the same time last year so maybe that has something to do with my magnesium being a little bit lower i'm not outside and the sun is often so my vitamin d is a bit lower so i i had to increase my i had increased my my supplemental vitamin d and zinc i think that because i'm so on the go now like i'm having to go more places i'm having to be at work longer Mm -hmm. and so and, and so i think that there were some things like you know Certain animal products that I wasn't eating as much of because the easiest thing for me to do to get out the door in the morning is actually just like throw a bunch of shit in a blender and just like <laughs> turn it on and and yeah. then, and then and then go and it's you know so I think that maybe like some some of my animal sources of protein uh, and and also like fat content like I I wasn't getting it. and so it it also you know you have to you have to consider different time points in your life you're going to need different things it's like. You know, it, principles that dictate one part of your life do not necessarily dictate another. And it's it's the same for your nutrition and your supplementation. So in that way, and like you had referenced earlier, it really does make sense to have routine checkups in one way or another. It doesn't always have to be blood work. Yeah. But you, you should find things to, to actually get like measurable observations on yourself. So you can even if it is a snapshot in time yeah. you can talk about the limitations of all that it, it can at least give you an idea of where you're at at that moment in time and then you know maybe you can start to form you know a- answer the question as to why and then formulate a plan to mitigate that but <clears throat> the the only way to stay ahead mm-hmm. say you can't really stay ahead of your health. You can just keep your health. I mean, you can stay. You can stay ahead of infectious and chronic disease. Yeah, that's a
1: better way to say it. Yeah, thank yeah, you.
0: And and really, the best way to do that is to be able to monitor yourself. Mm-hmm. And in that way, then you can actually address your needs. You can't address your needs if you don't know what they are.
1: Yeah, you know, a couple. So maybe. I think five years ago now or five or six, I can't remember exactly when I did my first comprehensive blood labs. Um, you know, I had not been eating meat for about 15 years. I ate fish, I ate eggs, it just, but not meat. Right. And it wasn't anything. It didn't have anything to do with like animals. I'm very one with earth. It wasn't that it was just, um, you know, I had Almost embarrassing to say, but like years ago, like in my twenties. right? Um, I had done this cleanse, and then I wasn't eating meat, and then I was drawn to eating more vegan food. And then I, like I wasn't drawn to eating meat after that, so I was like, oh, i I must not I must not need it because my body would you know tell me fast forward to my first you know blood labs, and and at that time, I started lifting heavy, and I was doing all the things that I do now, um you know, in terms of training, and uh, two things were discovered. And this is really interesting because, you know, I'm someone that, that is very, very healthy. Right. But what we found was, um, oh, and this is important to insert. I was getting annoyed with myself at that point, honestly, because I had been learning so much about red meat, specifically the nutrients, you know, that, that you get from red meat and um, and my brothers were always telling me like, you're, you're, you know, you're tripping. You need to, you know, you need to start huh. eating more animal protein. And I was like, nah, you know, and, um, but so, so two things happened it, from, from those blood labs. Number one, I found out that my ferritin levels were at fucking 14.
0: Oh, wow. I was in,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Gabrielle sure. heard that. She's like, oh, you're an overachiever <laughs> just for <laughs> reference. It's like, she likes, you know, her woman to be between 80 and a hundred, So any minute, like something was probably going to really go wrong, or I don't know, but, um, yeah, 14, we can talk about that. Ferritin is not something that, you know, most are being tested for. And so that was really important. Um, I immediately, I went and got a steak that night and now I have it for breakfast every day. I'm like, I'm, I'm obsessed. Um, I was like, thank you. Um, but the other thing that was really important that could really be useful in this conversation, um, with you is that I discovered that my thyroid was hyper at that oh, moment. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, what ends up happening is this. So first, you know, they're looking for antibodies. Like, Oh, do you have graves? I'm like, I'm not gonna have this. Like, I don't, you know, I'm no, but no, that wasn't the case. Then um, my friend is a clinical nutritionist. She's like, you know, you eat a lot of spirulina, a lot of algae, there's a lot of iodine in your diet. And I was like, iodine, why could that do something? And she's like, well, yeah, it can, you know? And, I, and I'm like, well, I've been taking an iodine supplement for fucking years now. Oh. And this is what's so interesting. Um, and I really want you to talk about this. So why was I taking an iodine supplement? Almost embarrassing, but I have so much compassion for myself because whatever, you know, it was like you go into one of my- <clears throat> house stores years ago. And the guy did like the whole thing. And he's like, you need iodine, right? Like the fucking, and I was like, okay, I need iodine. Okay. Maybe, maybe we'll just say maybe, uh, how much iodine, you know, like every day for how long, what I didn't know. So I just buy iodine. I don't remember the supplement, but it was a high dose. And now I'm taking it for like four years. So fast forward, I take it out. Thyroid goes back Mm -hmm. found the issue. Can you talk about in terms of supplementation, like there are some supplements, I imagine that you're, you're, you're essentially safe. If you're taking a certain amount of you fill in the blank every day, maybe it's like vitamin D I know, you know, two high doses could be an issue for some people, but, um, but there are some supplements that, you know, like in my case, that caused an imbalance that, that caused an issue. Are there any that stand out that you can talk about?
0: yeah, I mean, well, especially when you're talking about minerals you have to be you have to be really careful with minerals, but it's also i mean it's important that people know like you're not like you're not just like shoving things down without consequence right there's There's such a thing as it's too bad if you have too little of a lot of these things, and it's too bad if you have too much of a lot of these things, even if there's not, you know, like there's things like thiamine B1, there's not an established upper limit and there's no obvious negative health outcomes to that. But also like, do you really want to like try to figure that out? Like probably not. So, <clears throat> but with minerals, uh, you need to be especially, especially cautious with, with those ones. And th- there's always balance, you know, I think You've probably heard of the the zinc-copper balance. And for for people that don't know that one, because zinc is a really popular mineral. It's one of the most used single ingredients in the entire industry. And so taking 50 milligrams or more, approximately 50 milligrams for even two weeks can start to put you in a state of copper deficiency if you're not also taking copper oh, but then you have to be really cautious about the kind of copper you're taking because most supplemental copper is divalent copper two, which actually gets transported, absorbed differently. And it disperses like very rapidly into the bloodstream. That may not be a good thing versus taking a cuprous monovalent copper one, which is the kind of copper that you typically find in fruits and vegetables. So how many people know these things? Um, But, but with, with uh, the minerals, like it's, you know they're they're classified in macro and micro minerals for a reason macro minerals you tend to need in higher doses from say high microgram to mili- actually mostly milligram and sometimes into gram doses whereas micro minerals most times it's microgram and then sometimes into milligram doses and so if you can look at them like that then you go like, okay should i be taking gram doses of you know zinc Like probably not it's a micro mineral so the the amounts you need are lower than the amount of magnesium which is a macromineral macrominerals include potassium phosphorus calcium chloride sulfur sodium and magnesium the rest are micro minerals and <clears throat> the same thing with <coughs> excuse me vitamins You know, too much or too little, bad thing, especially with the fat soluble ones. That's A, D, E, and K. Too much vitamin A can be incredibly heavy on the liver. That's because most vitamin A is stored in the liver as retinal pulmitate. And, you know, if you breach the upper limit consistently without a reason to do so, like a condition where your doctor has prescribed you a certain amount of vitamin A, then, you know, you can call it, you can basically cause a toxic load on. The, the liver. So <clears throat> it's, it's really difficult. It's hard. Right. And I think the more that I've learned about these things, uh, the more sympathy I have for people who know nothing about these things. And then, you know, they, they go in and try to, you know, it's like, they really just want to be healthy, but it's such a, man, it, it's such a fine line to walk sometimes because you can really screw yourself up with, you know, taking something like too much iodine. I mean, iodine is just one of the two things that manufactures diiodothyronine, which is which is T three. You know, the iodine and tyrosine give you T three, and then you know, and then you have minerals like selenium, copper, and zinc, which convert that over into thyroxine T 4s and so you know, you know, it's it sucks. It sucks because. <laughs> Health is not something that you really think about until yours is not going the way you want it to, and then it becomes and then it becomes the most important thing in in the world. And so there's so many stories I've heard, and like so many people I know, where you know the one of the worst mistakes they made for their health was walking into like a vitamin shop and picking up a mineral supplement and thinking that it was going to help them and then it doing the opposite you know b6 is a common one that people take too much of and then they experience peripheral neuropathy uh, and you know and and sometimes that doesn't get reversed so it's what is just that a peripheral neuropathy yeah it's basically you have like nerves in the periphery that are basically dying Oh. So you get like the you know tingling and numbness and B six can be toxic for that purpose or to feed too much of it. So it's it's difficult to know what to say. Like, how do you instruct somebody? to go about these things appropriately right like you wish that everybody had somebody in their life where they could really like bring these things to and be like hey is this right for me yeah and in a in a perfect world you could you can go to your primary medical provider you know in in industry we have that's part of like compliance laws like on every label you have to say you know this is the recommended amount or as recommended by your primary healthcare provider, like you list all the warnings and you tell them like, if you have a condition, if you're taking medication for anything, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, ask your doctor, like you just, like you have to offload liability on the doctor yeah. because, because really that's all people have, you know, but Uh, And unfortunately doctors aren't really versed in these things. And that's not a knock on doctors. Like they're not, I don't think, I don't think that they should be meant to like, doctors are meant to identify a problem. They're not, you have specialists that are meant to solve, solve most problems, you know, but when it comes to vitamins and minerals, I mean, if you go to a doctor and like, ah, you need magnesium, I'll prescribe you some and you come home with a bottle of magnesium oxide and (laughs) like, like what, like what the fuck is this? You know? So (laughs) it's like, you know, there's, there's so many problems. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what, what more do you say about that?
1: (laughs) Oh my, no, it's so true. It's such a great point. And it it, like, what did you say the other day on one of your IG, you know, shooting from the the dark, aiming for a small target, (laughs) it was like an error in buyer hacking. Really. It's, it's kind of like, it is this, you know, um, it's 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 not this or that. It's just not easy. There's so much. It's complex. There's context, and and the average person a isn't going to seek the information. Um, you know, no judgment, but, um, or certainly doesn't know it. And so you kind of, you know, that my heart feels very, like, uh, goes out to people who are actually trying. And then, you know, even like myself, I was like, Oh, okay. Iodine, you know? And at that point I was already versed in a lot of things, but clearly I had a lot more to learn, you know, um, <laughs> which is fine. Can I just, can I pick at my cabinet really quick? My supplement cabinet yeah. and like, okay, cool. Okay. Well, <clears throat> actually, cause I've, I've listened to you talk about creatine and you're very passionate about it. And I'll just tell you a little bit about me and creatine. First of all, obviously never taken it, haven't taken it. And I'm straight up. What I learned about creatine, it's, you know, really great for muscle health, but also for brain health. I'm learning that more and more, but I've, I've, I've heard that, um, you know, it can, you can gain water weight. So this is, you know, yeah. See, go, go, please drill me. Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not. you know, it's not wrong. Like if you, know, there's, you know, some people think it acts as an osmolite, which to, to, to a degree it does, but it increases intracellular fluid retention. And so not extra, you know, so if you're like, Oh, yeah. like I'm like, my stomach's looking puffy and it's like, it's not really gonna. Yeah. You're going to put on some water weight, but it, it's not going to make you look like fat or you're not going to lose your abs if you have them. You know it's it's increasing water content inside of the cell, which is which is where you want it to go. It really doesn't cause much extracellular fluid retention, which is what would be more likely to make you look puffy. yeah, you know, but intracellular fluid retention in this context is really only going to do positive things. at least I can't think of any situations in which it would be a negative thing unless you were trying to step on stage for. Yeah, a physique competition. Then, okay, you know, drop the creatine so so you can lose some some water weight. But yeah. it, it's not one of those things that's going to make you look puffy, especially if you're using it within recommended doses. Which, you know, for women would be anywhere from two to five grams, probably somewhere in the middle, <laughs> three to four. And men, it's typically three to five grams. Whereas, like most products, come between you know, three and five gram s- serving sizes, and I think that the body. Gosh, depending on somebody's size, because it's similar to carnitine, but 95% of whole body creatine is stored in skeletal muscle. Depending on somebody's size, so depending on how much muscle mass they hold, the body can store anywhere between 120 to 160 grams of creatine. But I, I also kind of I think that that number goes up to 120 to 200 grams of creatine when you're considering people that are outliers. Okay. Um, and the body basically metabolizes, I think, two two grams of creatine a day. So that's how much you need to at least, yeah, ma- maintain what you what you're losing day to day. Okay. Whereas you know taking a little bit more than that then helps to saturate stores and you can raise. Depending on what your baseline, you know, nutrition status looks like, you can raise intramuscular creatine content anywhere from ten to twenty percent. If you're taking creatine for brain function, brain health, then you could potentially increase brain creatine concentrations anywhere from five to ten percent. So half half that in which you can increase skeletal muscle creatine stores, but in most studies that are looking at increasing brain creatine levels mm-hmm. are actually using a loading protocol. So taking like 20 grams for a week or two at a time. I don't I don't know of any studies that are having people take two to five grams and are then seeing like meaningful increases in brain creatine content. But your brain can your brain can also manufacture creatine at a higher rate than skeletal muscle. So it it's not as big of a deal. But assuming if you're supplementing with creatine, then you should you should be covered skeletal muscle and, you know, brain wise.
1: And w- what kind of creatine is there?
0: So, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of different types, but it's the, you know, it's, this is, this is well, one I'm of those going things where I sound after this. <laughs> yeah. I sound very, I sound very generic saying it because, you know, this is just, I, this is the answer everybody gives. I wish I could give like a more nuanced answer, but you know, monohydrate has stood the test of time. Okay. It's, it's the most studied, the most researched. Every other type of creatine has not shown any more benefit than monohydrate. Now, potentially, one of the things with monohydrate is that people sometimes experience upset GI or GI symptoms, and in that in that case, then you could take uh, creatine hydrochloride, which is easier. Uh, it's easier on the the stomach, and it's absorbed you know, just, just the same. It's actually more, more micronized and, 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 and basically taking smaller concentrations, but for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. monohydrate is going to be the best bang for your buck. It's going to be the cheapest, which is not saying much nowadays because COVID yeah. real COVID really drove the price of is like gold right now. There's a, you know, like, mo- like a lot of things, there's a worldwide shortage of it. And so <clears throat> the, the price of creatine has gone up. Pretty dramatically, but it is. I have a short list of supplements where I basically say, like, most people can take you know this short list of supplements and experience some kind of benefit. But if not benefit, they would at least not experience harm. So I think that most people should be taking these. One of those things is creatine.
1: What are the other ones?
0: The other ones would be uh, quality omega omega three supplement. Yeah, vitamin vitamin D, which that one I I struggle with with taking on and off, but vitamin D, omega three, and creatine basically make up the entire short list.
1: Okay, wow. Okay,
0: I think there might be there might actually be another one. I just have to think about that. I was like, hmm, three seems like too (laughs) short. short. (laughs) Three things (laughs) seems like too short of a list. I think I had another, but.
1: Maybe it'll come to you. Okay. Well, I have. I don't have creatine, but I'm, you know, because my brothers are also like creatine, creatine. I was like, ah. know.
0: choline is what it was. Yeah. What was it? Choline. Choline. Yeah. Why? Well, any research that I've seen, whether it's done in the United States, in the UK, in Canada, suggests that less than 10% of adults, both men and women and women tend to be worse with with this one are not even, there's not really an official RDA of choline. I think uh, that's meant to be official, but there is like a a recommended uh, intake for men and women, but probably less than 10% of men and women worldwide are achieving their, you know, daily recommended levels of choline and it's it's just important for too many things, the amount of lipid-derived signaling molecules, uh, you know, the the different substances that are produced from the choline that actually then you know partake in the structural stability of different plasma membranes in the body, especially the brain, but also in the periphery, we just use it for so many things. Yeah that I mean it's it's no surprise that, you know, it it that a choline deficiency is a kind of a hallmark or at least one of the four theorized drivers of Alzheimer's disease, which is actually the cholinergic, cholinergic signaling hypothesis, but that, you know, acetylcholine can be manufactured from, from choline, but, you know, that uh, lower acetylcholine signaling would, would come as a proxy of taking in less choline over time. Not saying that that is a primary driver of Alzheimer's because that really hasn't turned out to be the case, but I I would still think that it does play a role in cognitive function long-term. It's not just highly important for during developmental periods, but it also confers lifelong benefit no matter the age.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that's why (laughs) eggs are really important to me Um, because there's a lot of choline in in egg yolk. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's basically per, I think per egg, there's roughly hundred milligrams of choline. I believe the recommended intake for women is 425 milligrams a day. And for men, it's 550 milligrams a day for females that are pregnant. Some people suggest that it's double what women are suggested as having normally. So
1: Double for 425. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. All right. Ready for ready for the party? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Moving into fun. I'm so fucking curious. Last song on repeat. Um, last
0: song on repeat let me see i actually have my phone right here i know it is is, but it's a it's a reasonably new song so i gotta just find the name here it is uh let's see uh death by barry tomorrow
1: okay i have no idea
0: i'm I'm, like uh, it was on my gym playlist and my gym playlist is like strictly like heavy metal I mean, I listen to a lot of things outside of that, but the heavy metal is where I lean.
1: Fuck. Yeah. I love heavy metal. Wait. So dream concert. That's the next
0: question. (laughs) Dream dream concert. Oh, this one's easy. As I Lie Dying with my dream concert. Okay. I actually, I had tickets to go see them in Fort Lauderdale in May, 2020 and then COVID hit and what like, basically everything got shut down in March and yeah. then they canceled. They rescheduled till 2021 and 2021 came and then they just canceled the tour altogether. And so I mean, I've mean, i been waiting, I've been waiting to see them since I was in high school. So.
1: Oh, damn. Well, I'm sure it'll bring it back. Right. There's a, there's so many concerts coming back into the picture now.
0: I mean, <laughs> they tour a lot in Europe and so it's really hard. It's really hard to hammer them down in the States, but that's, it's, it. it it's still my dream concert. So maybe, maybe one day. Well, I mean, they had broken up for years because the lead singer actually got arrested. He was in jail because he had um, he had elicited a hitman to kill his wife. Oh, fuck! And then, <laughs> and then he got yeah, and then he got out of jail, and the band got back together.
1: <laughs> wow, that's it's, it's I mean, have, have,
0: that's a comadre. Right
1: that is a good story. Crazy. A great story.
0: Yeah, I think apparently apparently the guy's whole life was turned around and everybody was like sold on it. It's like this, like, I mean, I followed the whole thing. It was pretty cool, actually. <laughs>
1: That's so rad. Um, okay, I'm manifesting that concert for you. Um, last book that you've read that has really lit you up.
0: That has really lit me up. It's been a minute since I had a book really. hmm. That you're just. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking I'm going through a couple of them. I think. Thus Spoke Zarathustra by Nietzsche was probably the last one I read that really did something for me. I mean, like I can learn, uh, learn a lot of things from every book I read, but some books just touch you differently. And so that, that would have been the last one.
1: Okay. I'll check it out. It's awesome. Favorite philosopher, writer, or artist, or one of each?
0: Actually, it goes back to the book. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche is probably my favorite philosopher. And I know that that's not um, for some people that's not entirely popular because, uh, I suppose has not, ni- you know, I <laughs> consider the, the father of nihilism, but I think if you actually, that, that often comes from people who haven't read the work, mm. or at least if they've read some of it, they haven't read enough of it. And I don't think that they actually understand the guy, but also I think it takes a type of person maybe to understand where he was coming from and what he was saying you know like my dad my dad's a very smart guy but you know he's we grew up in a very uh, conservative and catholic home and so you know my dad all my dad knows about it's like oh isn't that the guy that said god is dead that's like no nah, like i don't i don't need that i'm like I, that's like but that's like completely out of context you know it's basically god is dead like man killed him No, it's like oh you know, it's not saying, you know, it's not him like proclaiming that he's any greater than God, although some people think that was the case. But I, I just think that he was an incredibly complex person. Mm-hmm. He was a very, to- very tormented person. And some of the ideas that he expresses are so challenging. And they're so hard to think through in so far as trying to, I don't want to say disprove, but in a lot, a lot of things he says, like your reaction is that, you want to disagree, but you don't know that you can, once you sit back and really reflect on it. And it's because he's so challenging that I've appreciated him in my life. It's not that like I disagree with Nietzsche on, you know, a whole slew of things, you know, but but also I feel an odd connection to the dude as though like I, I understand him on some level And he, although he's not alive, has challenged me more than most people that are still breathing.
1: That's fucking awesome. Yeah. He makes you think, 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 think. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's rad. Um, Thank you for that. Okay. What do you do to celebrate a win?
0: (laughs) Hmm. I don't know if I can say that on camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I had a feeling, <laughs> but also to, to be honest, like I actually don't celebrate very often. Um, you know, when I, when I graduated, when I was done with my PhD, like I didn't do anything to celebrate. Um, there's set, so many milestones go by that I don't celebrate. And like, that may be in one sense, not a good thing, but also I don't feel the need to celebrate every big milestone it, to me, it just feels strange. It's like, yeah, I mean, these are just things that I'm supposed to do in my life. I don't know why I need to celebrate every time I get out of bed in the morning, you know? But so I think the, the things I celebrate are, it, you know, that my celebrations are more stochastic, like just random, you know, like you, you might see, know what you're from, you're, you're in Vegas. Yeah.
1: So I have two, yeah, I'm in um, LA and I'm in Vegas. I, I go back and forth
0: okay. So like sometimes I go to Vegas for work and then you're just randomly like, okay, yep. We're celebrating. But what, I don't know. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that. those are the celebrations. I don't, I don't really tend to celebrate too many milestones in my life.
1: Okay. No, that that's, I, I actually understand that. I mean, I'm definitely a cheerful, very playful woman, but I think as a very driven kind of high performing woman as well, it's like, I'm always just kind of, like, I actually have to go out of my way and say, Hey, hold on here. You just did something. Let's actually, let's just get the fucking dopamine. Let's get like the brain chemicals from it and appreciate it for a moment and then keep it moving, you know? But so I relate. Um, okay. We've talked about a lot of things. I had so many notes. You're fucking awesome. Is there anything that we haven't talked about? Maybe something you wish that people would ask you more about um, or any final thoughts? in this conversation no pressure
0: <laughs> How would do what do i wish people would ask me more about
1: yeah like that's a question i love to ask you know say
0: <laughs> like probably how i'm doing it's a like sad boy answer oh no no that's not actually true um <clears throat> What do I wish they would ask me more about? You know, that's an, that's a really, that's a really interesting one because, hmm. you know, actually, I I don't know that I can even answer that to be honest, because I don't really like it when people ask me questions very often, you know, like if I, but that also, that might just be like a, I like, a stress thing like if I look at my phone and I see I have like a hundred notifications all people I've never met before are asking me a question about their health and I'm, just, I'm sorry is that like ah like overload yeah I don't I can't address all I can't address all of this yeah. um but you know I'm, I think that maybe because it, it's hard to come up with an answer but because also, like, I would say something like, "But in what world? Like, why would somebody ask me that question?" Well, that's
1: what I'm actually interested in. Because, okay, let me just say this really quick, well, just straight up, like my how I kind of receive you. I mean, okay, look, yes, you are an expert in all the things that we've talked about that we have, you know, become very known in this um, conversation but there's a lot more there. <laughs> there's always a lot more, you know, I'm like, he's, I can near, I feel like deep thinker loves philosophy. Like what else, like what else, you know, I know in my life, um, I'm a fucking anomaly. And I love that. You can't put me in any one ca- Oh wait, she trains jujitsu. Oh, but you know, my um, career prior to, to where I am now and what I've been doing was a celebrity makeup artist for a long time. Oh, that's interesting. Right, it's very interesting when you're like, wait, you're on the mat fucking choking people out, but now you're doing the Oscars and and that's nothing. Let's talk about fucking, we'll talk about lipstick, but let's talk about neuroscience. Um, I'm very edgy, but at the same time, I love the moon and let's talk about mysticism. And so I love being this anomaly, anomaly and someone that you can't really fit into any one category. Um, so there's layers and I I share that with you because I feel like there are layers and maybe there's some things that stimulate you, that inspire you, that light you up, that you're really interested in that are outside of just the norm of conversation that you're having. Um, that could be just fun to, I don't know, mention,
0: talk about (laughs) or not. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't really like, you know, there's no. Like I don't have any obscure hobbies, you know, like I, I, am barely, like, as you said, like, I'm really interested in philosophy, but also like I try to keep my feet on the ground. I'm not like, you know, cause people who kind of incessantly walk around with their head in the clouds, like, Oh, like what's the meaning of life? Like it's kind of a boring question to me. Like I don't, you know, never I, asked there, it. or <laughs> people who try to be like, you know, it's like, you, for lack of a better term, it's like deep all the time. It's like, dude, just chill, just chill. um so like there's like a part of me that's like that and then there's also like the dude chill part and so there's like philosophy psychology you know and that's why but that's why i like neuroscience because that's like the practical like basically psychology is neuroscience that hasn't been figured out entirely and so you know all of my interests are all like related to each other in one way or another so i go to work I, i basically play with legal drugs for all intents and purposes. Okay. And then you know I go home and I read and I play chess and, and things like that. And like, I'm a huge movie, like movie nerd. So I love movies actually. So that, that would actually probably be the only thing I can identify is if I'm to talk about anything other than science, I like will talk movies like, all day just like some of like the weirdest facts about movies or like what movies are coming out and what reviews i've read and now oh, like i saw this what do you think about this movie like oh, i'll tell you what i thought about this movie and so in <laughs> another life in another life i'd just like be um <clears throat> in another life i would probably like try to manufacture some way to get into like producing producing movies is something that I think me and uh, especially like my brothers we're we're all very high in trait openness we're actually in the, like the 99th I don't know about them I would guess they are uh, every test I've taken has me in the 99th percentile in trait openness and so we tend to be like the really creative types and yeah. so we're we're always whenever we get together we're just like shooting the shit basically be like if we could turn that into a movie uh, you know and so <laughs>
1: that's and another right. and,
0: in another life, right? That's probably. Yeah. Obscure thing about me, really.
1: No, that's so cool. That's, that's, <coughs> that. that's, that's amazing. And you come from a big family from a post I saw not that long ago.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm one, one of 11, one of 11 kids. Yeah. 10 siblings.
1: It's fucking incredible. That's a lot. A, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. I have three brothers and a sister and that feels like a lot, but eleven's on a whole nother level. It's awesome.
0: it can, it can be, it it has, it has its perks. I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Okay. Listen, I'm so grateful. Can you please tell our listeners and our viewers uh, where they can stay up to date with you? And, and also, is there anything that you have coming up that you're working on that could be valuable for us to know?
0: Yeah. So, (coughs) excuse me. So I'm, I'm mostly just participate on Instagram uh, Dr. William Wallace. And then I, I use my Twitter as a different handle. It's that will the Wallace because Dr. William Wallace is too long to have as a handle on Twitter. Um, and everything close to that is taken. So, but at Twitter, I'm not I'm not I'm not as active, but I have been more active recently. And I just I use Twitter as a means of I'll find cool studies and I'll just share them. So people like want to go there and see things that are you know, the up to date and neither neuroscience or nutrition and, I, and of course trying to like blend the two together. I don't have a website because I don't feel the need to have a website. I'm not, you know, personally selling anybody anything. If they need to get a hold of me, they can just message me on Instagram and then yeah. I probably won't I probably won't respond. But you know, you can always just you can, you know, you can throw your hat, throw yeah. your hat in and see if see if I pick it up. Um <clears throat> So, but as far as things that are being worked on, plenty of stuff being worked on and that'll probably make more public as far as like the, the research we have going on here at the facility, we're getting ready to publish uh, a couple manuscripts. And then also the, uh, the company here has actually, I just, I keep saying the company, I'm not like saying the name yet because it's not, it's, it's finalized. The company has a name, uh, everything is ready to go. Basically, the facility has undergone a change a, a change in name mm-hmm. so that the primary brand, which is also a company that has basically been the, the money maker and the financer of everything else going on here, is now a brand that's basically being manufactured here, but now be a subsidiary of the mother company. And from that mother company, we have a couple different brands with different products slated to launch one of which should be launching next month okay. the other one the month after and each one of these brands is able to target a different demographic one of them is like a line of supplements for women's health one of them is more i guess you could look at it as more of a, like a medical longevity line so it allows us to breach different demographics and put out some some really cool and nuanced things so i think we do have something coming out soon that uh, I think is a, a really cool and nuanced product. Okay. And so and so I'll introduce the product and then people can make their own judgment on it, but I'm excited for that one. We also just had a new building go up, so we're waiting for it's the flooring's in, everything's done. We have equipment coming into it in May, and then it should be operational by June, so we can increase our, our capacity here so we have a lot of cool things going on I'll, I'll, I'll probably be more public about it okay. as as we move things along
1: rad well i'm a fan and i will i'm here fully supporting however i can so when the time comes if there's any support needed in that way i'm your girl so thank you thank you so much um you know it, coming into this conversation i'm like oh my god this is a big one <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to talk about. And, but really, you know, um, you know, I really want to tell people to, if they're not already following you, go to your Instagram because we didn't even scratch the surface of so much of your knowledge. And I feel like Instagram is such, you know, you, you, the plethora- plethora of knowledge that you share there is really, really fucking awesome and useful. So, um, but thank you so much. I hope that, you know, I know science is always evolving. We're always learning. So um, down the line, we can do it again with, you know, everything new that there is to talk about in this space. And, 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 and if your concert had manifested or not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll definitely let you know on that one since you're manifesting for me. I'll also be be disappointed now if it doesn't happen.
1: I don't know. I'm kind of a fucking badass manifester, so. (laughs) Uh,
0: So one of these guys goes back to jail for another assassination attempt. (laughs) I'm not going to be happy. It's
1: not going to happen. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs)